a ninja, a ninja attacks a U.S. base on U.S. soil, and nobody seems to care. It's such a bizarre story. So insane. Then, I'm outraged. I'm outraged people aren't talking about that story. And then, we travel to Oregon to have a good night out drinking at a local bar. Everything is going according to plan until it's time to go to sleep. And then, we take a look at a brand new conspiracy theory from the twisted mind of your favorite podcast host, Jason Carpenter. A lot of times we've talked about people like Hans Wormhat and other conspiracy theorists who believe that NASA is trying to hide proof of God from us. We always laugh at these conspiracy theories, but the other day I looked up at the night sky and had an epiphany. What if Hans is right? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having lots of fun. Hope you guys have some cool plans for the weekend. I bought a heater that oscillates. That's how exciting my life is right now. And you know what? I love it. I've always seen, I've always seen myself moving up here from California when I moved up to Hood River. I always saw this as this was Sam going back to the Shire. I'm retired, baby. I'm done with all of the crazy adventures. I'm done. I buy an oscillating fan on Amazon and it gets sent to me and I'm like, whoa, this is a heater with a remote control and it oscillates? Like, that's the most exciting thing. And I love it. I don't need car crashes, people coming after me. I just need an oscillating heater. You get to that point in life and it is a good point in life. And another good thing in life is our... Patreon supporters coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now. A longtime Patreon supporter. Give it up for George Clooney. The George Clooney. You didn't know he's the of the show? Come on in, George. I call him Georgie for short. George, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. I could buy a lot, I could buy a lot more heaters, but I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. George, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the hair Hang glider. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Grab onto George's hips. Oh, wait. Actually, before we do that, we got some Fan Art Friday. We're just going to hold on to his hips for the rest of this segment. Fan Art Friday, look at this awesome art I got from Madison Merritt. It's the classic Dead Rabbit Radio logo, but Madison's own take on it. Really, really love this stuff you guys are doing. That's so awesome. Really, really love it. Thank you so much, Madison. So... George, we're going to go ahead and keep holding on to your hips. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to the Mojave Desert in California. The reason why we're going out to the Mojave Desert, this story absolutely boggles my mind. So let me start by giving credit. Mason on the Patreon Discord sent this over to me, so thank you so much for that. And I got all of my information, because it's really only coming out of one source right now. It's Stars and Stripes, which is the official newsletter for the armed forces. These articles have been written by Chad Garland. 
September 18th, 2021, we're in the Mojave Desert. We're specifically at the Inyokern Airport. And what's going on? It's 1 a.m. And currently, this airport is being used for training exercises by the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment, a.k.a. the Night Stalkers. It's an elite helicopter unit. They're training here. And at 1 a.m., the staff sergeant leaves the admin building. Smoke a cigarette. Get a little relaxation from all those other knuckleheads in that building. There's 26 guys in total here. And while he's outdoors, he's smoking a cigarette. His name is not released for security reasons, and I will also assume embarrassment reasons. As he's outside smoking a cigarette, he turns around, and there's a ninja standing next to him. Full-on ninja garb, carrying a katana, and he asks the staff sergeant, Do you know who I am? I don't know. I don't know if he had a voice changer, but we will pretend that he did. Do you know who I am? Staff Sergeant's looking over at him, and he's probably thinking, a ninja? But, I mean, specifically, I don't know. So he answers, no. And then the guy goes, do you know where my family is? Staff Sergeant's like, are there baby ninjas around? That would be really cool if they're, like, hiding in the bushes and underneath street lamps. But... He says no. He doesn't goad on the armed ninja. He goes, "I no, I don't know where your family is. The ninja then begins to slash at the staff sergeant. Cutting his knee and his leg. Staff sergeant starts running away. Gets to a fence, jumps over it. <gasps> the ninja is in quick pursuit. See, he doesn't even make sound. I didn't have to do a sound effect. He doesn't make sound when he's running. <gasps> the staff sergeant breathes heavily. The ninja does that non-noise. Staff sergeant gets into the admin building. And goes, guys, you will not believe. You will not believe what's out here right now. A ninja. He didn't, he didn't let him guess because he knew they would never guess. They're like an elephant. He's like, no, a ninja. He locks all the doors. He's calling 911. There's 26 special operations soldiers in the hangar. Verse 1 Ninja. We've been lied to, ladies and gentlemen. I've seen many an episode of G.I. Joe, which let me know that if you took 26 Joes and put them up against Storm Shadow, to be fair, this is a cartoon, but the Joes would win. Maybe Storm Shadow is going to take a couple of them out. (laughs) You don't want to be that guy, but it's a cartoon. They're not really dead. Shipwreck just gets his shirt kind of torn. Now, I guess we've also been watching movies where one guy with ninja skills comes in and kills a bunch of faceless goons. But these are U.S. soldiers. They're not faceless goons. We're not faceless goons. The other guys are the faceless goons. Those troops from Belarus trying to take down Owen Wilson. Those are the faceless goons. Unless you're listening to this podcast in Belarus, and you're my favorite listeners. This one ninja keeps 26 special forces operators at bay. Now, to be fair, they're special forces in helicopters, but still, they should know how to fight, like, hand-to-hand or chair-to-sword. They are in this building hiding from a ninja with a sword. And he begins throwing... First off, he begins punching the door. Which their hearts must have just stopped at that point. Because after the first fist punch hits the door, you have to think. Does he know a ninja way? Does he know a ninja way of punching a door off of the hinges? 
but he punches the door a couple times. That doesn't work. He begins punching windows, which works. And then he picks up a big piece. <laughs> he picks up a big piece of asphalt and throws it through the window. And again, people think this wasn't a real ninja. Because we'll get to the ending of his story. That's how stories normally conclude. But people think he's not a real ninja. He is able to take a large piece of asphalt, throw it through a window, and hit a man in the building. That's skill. That's skill. Because when you think about it, when you're trying to shoot a hoop, shooting basketball, that's already a little difficult. But he's doing shooting basketball with not a basketball, with a giant piece of asphalt. It's going through a window, and he's still able to throw it accurately enough that it hits a captain. Now, the soldiers, even though they're soldiers, you're like, Jason, you're going really hard on these guys. This ninja did have a sword, and I get it. I've had knives pulled on me. It's not a fun experience. But, like, what do these guys do in the battlefield, right? I mean, again, they are helicopter operators, so maybe they don't know how to fight hand-to-hand, but I thought that was kind of required. I thought, like, if you joined the military, you had to know how to swim and shoot a gun and, like, roll around on the ground and go, no, and scream in the air and stuff like that. But apparently, apparently those rules don't apply to the 160th. They are just hanging out. They don't have any guns in there. They're on training. They don't have any guns. They don't even have, like, an experimental helicopter. They don't have nothing. What were they training with? The police show up. And they shoot him with some non-lethal rounds. And I really hope, I really hope that he tried blocking them with his sword. I don't know. It doesn't say for sure, but the rounds were useless. The non-lethal rounds did nothing to this guy. So I'm sure the police officers left it out of the report that it was so weird. We pulled our guns and then all of a sudden reality became split screen. And it was a close-up of my eyes and a close-up of his eyes. And then I shot three times and he just moved his sword around noiselessly. Is that a word? Quietly. He moves the sword around quietly. It moves like a whisper through the night sky. It moved like a whisper through the morning air. And then the the non-lethal rounds just seem to be chopped in half. They don't say that. They don't say that. They did pull out a taser, and they finally subdued him with a taser. That story I'd seen when I was on my vacation. I was like, what? I This is insane. But I wanted to wait... Because I wanted a key piece of information. When the story was first released, they said, authorities are not saying who this guy is. And I thought, that's really the crux to the issue, right? If this guy is a ninja, and he's actually from, like, a ninja clan, this is huge. This is huge geopolitical ramifications. And then there was a follow-up article to this whole thing. They did announce who this guy was. Gino Rivera. 35-year-old man. And I'm like, now I just have now I just have even more questions, right? I was thinking maybe it was an actual ninja and the military kidnapped this guy's family or something like that. He was on some sort of collateral Arnold Schwarzenegger-esque revenge mission. No, it was some guy named Gino Rivera. Not a ninja. Just some dude who's now in jail for attempted homicide brandishing a weapon. He had a whole slew of charges, right? Embarrassing the U.S. military. You go, Jason, You, I think you're going a little hard on the fact that a dude shows up. How would you like it if a dude showed up and sword at your workplace, right? And I wouldn't, right? It'd be pretty rude. But I'm not a, tra- I'm not a trained soldier. I'm not a trained soldier. But if I was a trained soldier and some guy comes to me with a sword and he's like dressed as a ninja and he goes, you know where my family is? I'll say, probably burning in hell. 
Why don't you respect my back? And I just turn around, right? I'm just going to throw him off of his off of his game. And I'm going to hear that sword whistle through the wind. And I'm going to put my hands up. I'm blocking. I'm going to catch it with my hands right before it hits my skull. I could have done it earlier, but I wanted it to be super dramatic. And then I turn around somehow. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't worked at all physics, but I turn around. My head spins around like the exorcist, and I'm staring at him. And I look at it, and I go, my turn. And then I flip the sword up, and I catch it. And then I keep it because it's a cool sword and I want a sword. I take it to my car and I put it in the uh, trunk. And then I come back and I walk back to him. And I go, my turn still because he's not doing anything. And then I kick him in the shins a couple times. See, if it's that easy, if I could do it. Well, actually, to be fair, I don't even need that made a thing. The police did it. The police showed up, shot a couple of non-lethal rounds at him, tased them, and it was over. So I don't know. I don't know. I think the I just think the military are trained to fight. And this guy came to fight, and they ran away, and they hid. So that's a little just embarrassing. And more to the point, what in the world was this guy's motivation? Where is his family? Are they really missing? Was this guy actually on this revenge quest? Was he like a self-trained ninja or an American ninja? Maybe? Who knows? They're not telling us anything. And they weren't telling us this story at all until it leaked onto Facebook from people who knew about it. And then Stars and Stripes covered it. And then it was in the mainstream news very, very briefly. U.S. base infiltrated by a ninja who attacked servicemen, and then they ran and hid, and he continued to attack them until he got tased. That's a story. That's a national news story. What in the world is going on? George Clooney? Let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We are leaving behind in Yoki Airport or whatever that whatever the pronunciation was. I moved past that page. We're leaving behind that. The troops are like, thanks for the tips on self-defense. I'm like, you got it, guys. And a while ago, I hope you never try that. You can't catch a sword before it hits your skull. We're giving you the keys to Jason Jalopy. We're headed all the way out to Oregon. George Clooney's driving us all the way up there. We're watching Batman and Robin for the 15th time. And finally, we get to a little pub... In Oregon. Now, I got this story from a friend of mine. It actually happened to her not too long ago. It's a very, very interesting story. But for the sake of privacy, I'm going to be changing some of the names and, and things like that. Because it's a weird one. It's a weird one. Talking to my friend Molly. She listens to the show. She shared this story with me. Her son works at a bar. Not in town. He works at a bar in another town. And he thought it was weird when he go, went to get the job. The interviewer, the boss, asked him, do you believe in ghosts? Because this bar, the business owner explained, is haunted. It's a haunted bar. There's three ghosts who regularly hang out here. Now, even people who believe in ghosts, I believe in ghosts. But if somebody told me this is a haunted bar, I, I would be like, oh, that's really cool. I no longer want a job here. Thank you. Thank you for your time. That's super spooky. I don't need that level of stress to work in a haunted place. But you would think, oh, you know, is it like, and then at midnight, sometimes you, sometimes you hear a clock chime 12 times. Like, there's different levels of ghostly activity. Sometimes when a train goes by, a glass mysteriously falls off the bar. We don't know what causes it. Molly's son is working the bar one night and he sees a full body apparition of a ghost walk by. Which despite what the movies 
would have you believe, is the rarest type of ghost encounter. Most paranormal encounters, ghost encounters, are fragrances. Really in this order. Fragrances. Noise. Hearing something that you shouldn't hear creaks. That actually, in yesterday's episode, I'll, I'll put that in here. Yesterday's episode when I was talking about Baby X. Or that was Wednesday's episode. I was talking about Baby X. I'm going to play this clip for you here in this haunted closet. There's a, It sounds like a footstep every time I mention the age of the victim. It was a three-week-old infant. It was the body of a. It was the body of a three-week-old infant. That's not me. Like I was making sure I was perfectly. When the first time I heard it, I go, "Was that me?" And then the second time, I did it again. So just weird. I, I again, I have go. I have ghosts at home. I don't need ghosts at work, but. Most ghost encounters go like this. Fragrances, smells, perfumes, cigar smells, noises, voices, and then seeing something. And even then there's that degree of seeing the mist fly by versus seeing a discernible figure. That's the that's the most common in movies because it's very visual. That's the least common you'll see in real life. So her son sees a full-body apparition. The family goes out to visit their son, who's away. He's working at this bar. And they go to the bar. <laughs> They're visiting him, right? They're not like, hey, son, we're in town, but we're going to Applebee's. They go to the bar. They're hanging out. They see him. And they have a good time. Family has a good time. They tip their son very poorly. They didn't, they're like, oh, it's a horrible service, son. That night, Molly has a dream. Molly is in a house, and she's taking care of a little girl. Little girl in a white dress. She doesn't recognize her. Cute little girl. She's just there to take care of her. And she gets the girl settled in this room. And there's a baby monitor in the room, so she knows that she can move about the house and do other things while this girl is safe. And she goes upstairs, and she hears on the baby monitor what could only be described as demonic voices. So Molly runs back downstairs to check on this little girl. And when she goes to open the door, it's locked. She fights with the knob. She's trying to get this door open. She's banging on it. She's screaming. She's panicked. She knows something evil is on the other side of this door with this girl who she's supposed to protect. And when she finally gets the door open, The little girl was no longer in the room. Instead, the room was full of dogs. (laughs) She doesn't say how many of them. I don't think it looked like Oliver and company. I just imagine three really vicious type pit bulls, whatever. And they're barking at her. And she goes right when she opens the door and she sees these three dogs or however many dogs barking at her. Getting ready for their big musical number. She sees another door in the hallway open up out of the corner of her eye, and she turns and she looks, and she sees the little girl run out of that door and run down into the basement of the house. Now, she immediately thinks this little girl's panicked. She's freaking out because of the demon voice, because of the dog, and she somehow got away. This little girl is now running down to the basement. I have to go 
get the little girl. We have got to get out of this house. I have to save the little girl. And as Molly begins to run down the basement herself, she notices something. The little girl is running too fast. It's moving way quicker than any human should. Molly is now halfway down the stairs, and she stops. She's looking into the blackness of the basement. The darkness has swallowed the little girl in the white dress up completely. And Molly is standing on those stairs, and she comes to a very, very powerful conclusion. I cannot go down these stairs anymore. I cannot enter the darkness of the basement. And then she woke up, terrified, terrified of that dream. Later on, Molly told her son about the dream. I had this dream and there was this little girl. And And as she's talking about her dream, her son stops her and goes, was the little girl wearing a white dress? She goes, yeah. Her son goes, that's one of the three ghosts that are trapped in this bar. The night she went to the bar is the night she had that nightmare with the little girl leading her through the house trying to get her to go into the darkness. And Molly's legit. Molly's a legit person. She's not someone who would try to pull a prank. She's a fan of the show. She listens to the show. She's a friend of mine. She wouldn't be telling me, you know, a tall tale. Could have just been a dream, right? Could have just been a dream. Could have just been a coincidence as girls in creepy white dresses, this kind of thing. Could just be the dream. But imagine if you visit this place and the ghost girl attaches itself to you. Maybe it attached itself to Molly because she's a mother. It attached itself to Molly because she's a mother and sensed the mother's love and knew that it would be a weakness. I want to follow no one down to the basement. Are you kidding me? But Molly did, and at the very last moment, she caught herself from going down into the darkness. What was waiting in that darkness? What was that little girl's plan? And you see, Molly was able to tell this story to her son who works there, and he goes, oh, you know, that's one of the ghosts that's at this place. And it leaves Molly with this kind of idea that, was is what, what, how would this be classified? Did this ghost follow me home? Was it somehow able to attach itself to me? Was it just... I was in a spooky place and something. I just had a weird nightmare. It's just not even connected. But think about all the people who go to that bar who don't have a son working there. Who go home and have a weird nightmare and would never ever put two and two together. They don't know that the bar is haunted. They go there for some fish and chips. Later that night, woman's laying in bed. She has a nightmare. But a young girl she can't rescue from demonic forces. Only to find out that the young girl herself may be a demonic force. But then think about the people who do continue into the basement. The dreamers who don't have that logic kick in at the last moment. Who aren't quick enough to realize, wait... No human can move that fast. If Molly had not realized that detail, she would have continued down into the basement. Are there people out there who have visited this bar 
had that dream and walked into the basement. And when they woke up, who were they? Were they the same person who wakes up and goes, well, that was a weird dream. Or is this bar and this little girl a demonic infestation? Ghosts tend to stay in a very localized environment. The place that they died, the place that they loved the most, the place where they have unfinished business. Demons roam. Demons leave. They have a base of operations, but have soul, will travel type of thing. What is the little girl at this bar in Oregon? Or was it all just a dream? We... We'll see. That'd be cool to do an investigation there. Now you guys see why I left the business name out and uh, they don't want to give the city because I basically blasted that business. I'm sure they serve lovely food. I'm sure the staff's great. But if you go there, you may be possessed by the demon of a little girl. You may have a dream and you may wake up and your soul is gone and a little girl is piloting your body. And nobody wants that except, <laughs> except for the demons who work at this bar. George Clooney, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys of the Carpenter Copter. We got enough time because this last story is pretty short, but it's pretty brilliant in the literal term. I'm going to toss you the keys of the Carpenter Copter. We are headed all the way out to the middle of nowhere. And when I say the middle of nowhere, I'm talking like we're on a mountaintop. There's not a city or a town or anything to be seen for miles and miles and miles and miles. We're just enjoying each other's company. Molly's taking a nap. She's like, don't let her get possessed. Don't let her get possessed. We're hanging out there. We look up at the night sky. The other day I was walking through town here. I was hanging out with my friend Sabine. And I said, when's the last time you've seen the galaxy? Now, she's a real rural girl. And rural, I can't really say that word, but, you know, country girl. She grew up more country than I did. She's gone camping and stuff like that, stuff that I just don't like to do. She does all that stuff. So I expected it to be a fairly high number. She said five or six, and I was kind of shocked. Like, five or six, really? She's like, yeah. I've seen the galaxy one time. 45 years old, I've seen the galaxy one time. I didn't even, I mean, I guess I'd seen pictures of it. And I'd seen it in movies. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about like the galactic map of Star Trek or something like that. But when you're in a place with zero light pollution, you look up and you see the galaxy. It was truly awe-inspiring. I remember we were on the way back. We had just seen the Sacramento Kings play against the uh, Phoenix Suns in the playoffs. We were driving back. We had to pull over to go pee. It was me, Justin, and Hal. We got out of the car, draining the main vein, leaking the lizard. And I looked up. It's probably like 2 or 3 in the morning. I looked up, and that was the first time I had to be like in my late 20s. And I'm still using terms like draining the main vein. I looked up, and for the very, very first time in my life, I saw the galaxy. I thought all of that stuff was like camera tricks, like exposures held for the long... I didn't know you could look up and see the galaxy. It's beautiful. And I haven't seen it since. It's been around 20 years since the last time I saw the galaxy. The other day when I was walking down the street, I asked Sabine, how many times have you seen the galaxy? And She said five or six times. I just kind of... I thought it would be more, but... 
I said, I have a conspiracy theory. And it really had just popped in my head when I was looking up at the sky. And you see like a couple stars, right? Maybe if you're farther away from town, you see a couple more stars. But when you're in the middle of nowhere, you see the Milky Way. And it's totally... If you guys don't... Some of you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Because you've never seen the galaxy. You have to go into the middle of nowhere. We're walking down the street and I said, I have a conspiracy theory. It just all kind of popped in my head. We talk a lot about Hans on this show. He's back, by the way. He, he announced his retirement, but he's back. He's doing stuff again. Nothing super hilarious, right? Just the same old, same old. But his big thing is that NASA is trying to convince us that God isn't real. NASA is behind everything. NASA has orange chairs because orange is satanic color. And NASA is behind faking monkeys because monkeys make us think evolution's true. And if we think evolution's true, we don't believe in God. And da, 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 da. It's hilarious. And he's not the only person who thinks that. A lot of people think NASA is the super satanic group. It was, it was started by Nazis. To be fair, it was started by Nazis. But the idea, I've always said, well, what, what would be NASA's stake in trying to keep us from believing in God? Or what would be really any, how could you do that? How could a group actually erase existence of God? A couple days ago, I was looking up in the night sky and I said, I have a conspiracy theory. Light pollution is being done on purpose. Because if every night, every person on the planet looked up and saw the glory and majesty of the galaxy we live in, you could not deny there was something greater than us. We look up at stars under these twinkling little lights. But when you see the galaxy, it's, you see the galaxy, you see just splendor. I wanted to do a bunch of research on this. I wanted to try to match up places with low light and places with high levels of religion. I wanted to take a look at how light pollution has grown over the years and how belief in a deity have fallen. <laughs> that, that, that research, I spent maybe like an hour trying to pull up some numbers, and I couldn't because it was one, <laughs> I had a bunch of other stuff to do. I had to read about a ninja fighting U.S. troops. And two, that's, it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of work. So I decided to be like every other conspiracy theorist out there and just make this claim. But here's my claim. The world would be far more religious. And I would say, I, I'm going to take a guess here. This is anecdotal and this is just, if you look at parts of the United States that don't have a lot of light pollution, I'm going to gamble that they're more religious than the coastal cities that have tons of light pollution. I think that's a fair, but is that, and that was the other thing I was thinking about doing all this research, but at the end of the day, is it causation? Like, could you actually show something or could you show the rise of technology just mirrored a decline in religion and the rise of technology creates more light pollution? So there was all that, right? I could have done a ton of research and it would have been inconclusive anyways. But the conspiracy theory is, what if, putting our conspiracy caps on, what if there is a conspiracy theory to make people not believe in a God? When you look up and you see the majesty of the universe... Right in for every single night. How can you deny a creator? But if you look up and you just see five twinkly lights and 10 of them are man-made, you're seeing planes fly by, you might see a couple satellites. It's far easier to go, well, we're just on a big old mud ball floating through the darkness, but we're not. We're in the Milky Way. We're in this beautiful gem 
We live right in the middle of it, and we used to be able to see it from the time that humans developed the capacity to identify what was in front of them, to comprehend something beyond their physical body. From that moment until what? The 1880s? 1900s? When those first lights started going up, you saw a little less of the night sky. But by the time we're talking about like the 1960s, 1970s, light pollution is out of control. So from the beginning of mankind to the 1950s, what is that? Until 70 years ago, when you watched that sunset, you saw the galaxy. You saw what we were a part of. And again, there are two people listening to this show. One person who has knows exactly what I'm talking about, who has seen the galaxy and goes, it is awe-inspiring. And then a, a lot of you are just like, but it's just the night sky. It's not. Those photos that, again, I thought were total time-lapse photos of the night sky, those are those cannot even capture the beauty of it. And so the question is, you obviously, the obvious answer is it's just the acceleration of humans. We build bigger cities, more lights are going up. We have high rises and all that stuff. It's just a normal thing. But what if there is a group that wants to deny that God exists? And this has been a strategy that they've been laying out for decades. Fill the world with lights. Cut them off from the universe. Make them think we're just on a ball of mud in a darkness. And when you look up, you see a couple satellites, you see a couple airplanes. And oh, look, at there's the North Star. Look at that little bright light out there. There's the Big Dipper. And it makes you think, it's people like Hans right Now, I don't believe the monkeys don't exist thing. But are there groups that are actively trying to erase something that would, when you see it day after day or night after night after night after night, makes you realize that you exist as something smaller of a glorious creation. And whether or not it's an organization on Earth of men and women who are actively doing this, or it is some... I mean, who's the person who mostly doesn't want us to believe in deity, right? A Satan, a Lucifer, a demonic presence. Now, this is his plan. Cut us off from the most beautiful view in creation. It's easier to tell us that it doesn't matter. When we die, we just disappear into the darkness that surrounds the planet. It would sound so demonic to want to cut a people off from God. That's kind of the definition of demonic. That's the definition of a satanic plan. Do you know what the name Lucifer means? It literally means light bringer. The story of Prometheus who steals the fire from Mount Olympus and gives it to the humans. The gods were angry. That fire was a tool of the gods. You're giving it to these commoners. But what if that fire was the first time that the night was no longer magnificent? Even by the roaring fire, the galaxy looked a little less holy. Is there a conspiracy theory to hide the wonders of the universe from us? And is that conspiracy theory man-made, demonic, or both? Who knows? 
Just the thought I had the other day. But I'm a 45-year-old man who's only seen the galaxy once. And for a thousand generations before me, my ancestors saw the galaxy every single night. Doesn't really seem fair to be robbed of such a beautiful view. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.